absolutely now for your free timeshare exit kit and see how you can become timeshare free. Call 800-462-3333. That's 800-462-3333. Once again, 800-462-3333. This is It Takes Two with Amy and JJ on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Seat yourself here on KFGO and It Takes You with Amy and JJ brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens. Open and ready for a Christmas treat. Maybe a Dairy Queen cake for dessert. There are no rules when it comes to Christmas. We were just talking the other day when it comes to rules of Christmas that they've really evolved over the year. Um, Let's talk about that in a minute, but let's introduce our guest. Nancy Edmonds Hansen is in the studio and our guest here for the next hour on KFGO. Nancy, welcome to the KFGO studio. Thank you. Glad to be here again. We've had a lot of like little breakfast coffees and other things with you. Um, First, we want to say thank you for not only believing in us to put a recipe in the FM Extra every week, which has been a ton of fun, but then also writing just this this sincerely nice piece about us in your most recent magazine, Extraordinary Living. That was so kind of you. I never intended to be nice or kind. I just told the <laughs> truth. <laughs> and well, it, I and, thought it was um, very nice. And you could have you could have blown the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> you didn't. You were very good. And I still think we should have coffee every Friday morning yes. before you go to work. That's so nice. I would love that. Okay, let's... The problem is that I, we never get to work on yeah, Friday. We that's never, that's well, the that's, issue, right? That's kind of an you issue know? for all of us, I think. It really is. Really is an issue to stay on task, but we're going to try to. Let's begin with you telling your story because you are quite the figure in journalism here. You look at me, that's not, that, that, that's a, that's real truth here. The interpretation of what you just said is I'm really old and I've been doing it for a long time. I think, I think you should be, uh, I think we should celebrate how long that you've been doing it. We should celebrate how well you've done in the career of journalism and. And that you're not quitting. Yeah, That's I love it. You're not too. giving up. I love it. I get to meet oddballs like you two. Good, yes. fantastic. In fact, you were just telling us the piece that'll come out tomorrow on the cover of the FM Extra. We'll talk about Moorhead's two newest bookstores. Yes, no off-campus bookstore for a year year or so now. And now we have two new, very different, but really charming bookstores. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think so. And you know, Moorhead is one of the most highly educated communities in Minnesota. And I'm sure it's it would if we were in North Dakota. I'm sure we'd be right at the top. Yeah. So right, <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I think you would too. So Nancy, take us from the beginning. Where does where does your journalism career start? And um, did you know you always wanted to do it? I started in Streeter, North Dakota, on the night before uh, graduation in 1967. You'll remember 1960s. You won't remember, but 1967 was Ballyhood as being the summer of love. Uh, it never got to Streeter, North Dakota. But the <laughs> night before graduation, um, I had been watching the forum uh, here in Fargo, had been running a, a youth essay contest. I was a very good writer. And uh, the night before grad, I graduated, I wrote an essay on psychedelic music. Of course, this is something that, that a 17-year-old in Streeter would know all about, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> Obviously. Day, the day after graduation, my husband took me, uh, or my husband, my father took me to Fargo to look for a job because I was going to uh, college that fall and I couldn't afford it. And while I was being rejected by every store, uh, coffee shop, um, 
enterprise in downtown Fargo without telling anybody. I took my little essay and I walked up the stairs to the editorial department at the forum, long, dark, steep stairs. And I went in and I said, um, I've got something here for Jerry uh, Ruff, who is the ed entertainment editor handling the contest. And the dragon lady at the uh, switchboard said, sit down, wait here. And I was scared to death. What had I done? <laughs> Jerry came out, read my essay, and said, wait. So I thought I was sentenced, you know. Uh -huh. uh, and he went off and talked to the executive editor and showed him my essay, and they came back and said, uh, we don't have a job opening right now, but if you'll stay in touch, we expect one shortly. And so I got another job. Uh, I don't know what it, I was doing. I think I was w uh, sweeping the floor at the savings bond office or something. I got a call from the forum when the opening appeared. Um, they put me on the night desk on night side because that was the job that was available, and I worked there for the next eight or nine years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. Did you win the essay contest? Oh, yes. Oh, I, okay. I got, <laughs> yes, I got $5 for it, and that, to somebody from Streeter, North Dakota, graduating in 1967, that was the big bucks. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it really brought about a, a mistaken Confidence. idea of what you're going to make as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still get five bucks for what I write. So right. I guess I was right all along. But So then you worked there for eight or nine years. So you're there throughout college. Yeah, I worked there full-time during college. I attended Concordia for two years, and then I transferred to, uh, it was uh, Morehead State University at the time. Lived happily ever after. Graduated in 71, kept on at the forum. I was the first arts editor at the forum. I did general assignment reporting. I covered the Fargo cops. I did all kinds of fun stuff, and I loved every minute of it. I was uh, given lots of opportunities. I wrote a weekly column about rock and roll, which I still think was probably the zenith of my hipness. Cool. And uh, well, I, I don't remember if we called it cool then. I think it was groovy back groovy. in those days. But um, <laughs> it's a hip cat, daddy o. <laughs> yeah, and I did a, a humor column three times a week and some other things. I had a great experience. But as I was uh, hitting my mid-20s, or toward the mid-20s, I was tired of watching people, other people doing things and accomplishing things, which is something that happens a lot to reporters, I think. And I wanted to be a doer. So if you can believe it, I took a job at state government. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, this is, In Minnesota? No, North Dakota. Oh, I was okay. the assistant travel director for a couple of years. Uh, bigger, really? be bigger, better country. That yeah. was uh, that was our our marketing slogan, and I found out that that isn't necessarily the place to be if you want to accomplish and do things. Yes. And so I freelanced ever since. Um, I wrote a book in uh, when I on the verge of thirty. I'd always been going to write a book, and yet everybody who writes is going to write a book. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was twenty nine and a half, I thought maybe I better do this. And so I wrote a, um, I got a book on how to write a book, read it. Um, I sent a proposal to Writer's Digest Press on how to make, it was $20,000 a year writing no matter where you live. And I'm told that they'd had the same proposal from a number of different writers around the country over the years. But when they saw my postmark was Bismarck, North Dakota, they knew I was the one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it did, it did very well. It was you don't remember Book of the Month Club, do you? Do you remember record clubs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, I never went by a record club ad without picking out the 11 albums that, that I. That you would have, the one, the 11 you'd get for a penny? Yeah, but mm -hmm. I never could afford it. So, uh, but the book did very well. It was sold by the Book of the Month Club in quality paperback. 
those are things you don't have anymore also. Yeah. And I went on, I've done a lot of public relations, mostly for nonprofit, not all, some commercial. Uh, over the years, um, I've written for many magazines. I've written other books. I was part of the Dakota Graphic Series uh, photo book uh, uh, publication, five-volume publication for North Dakota Horizons magazine coming up to North Dakota's centennial, which turns out to be like a half a century ago. Yeah. I don't get that either. <laughs> um, and um, uh, I also taught media writing and uh, uh, public relations as an adjunct in uh, the MSUM uh, uh, mass comm department for 28 years. Okay, I have thousands of students out there, including some in the media today. That is amazing. And do you still, do you think all of the writing that you're doing, because it's your profession, do, is that writing for fun? Yes, it is, it is very much. I'm more or less retired. And I uh, mean, you're not yeah, really no. retired. <laughs> I don't. I you're don't working sit more well. Than, you're you're working more than people who have full time jobs. I think I write more on a weekly basis than the full time reporters at the forum. Yeah, it's a different kind of story, so it, it isn't a one to one. But um, mine are mostly single source stories. But nevertheless, but that's what I do. I've done that forever. I had to get my fingerprints taken uh, for a, a job that I'm doing for a federal project about a year ago. And I went back to the fingerprinting. There's a shop that does fingerprints for the government. Did you know that? I did not. No. I had to go back four times, including once in a blizzard, because they couldn't get my fingerprints. And, I mean, I was there, and they did all the stuff, and, and uh, the FBI couldn't clear my fingerprints. And finally, they had to. Somebody had to testify that I was who I was. And I think I've typed so much for over fifty years. You've lost I think your fingerprints. Either that, or I'm getting ready to become um, uh, somebody who robs jewelry stores and leaves no evidence. Right. Yeah. Behind. There you go. <laughs> no fingerprints. The ultimate cat burglar. Look I at was that. Something, mm -hmm. And I like cats. Perfect. One of the things that amazes me is you can pick up just about any publication from uh, different eras and you can find your name in it. In fact, That's... recently someone brought in a Binford guide, which they haven't published in a month of Sundays. Oh, a lot more than that. It turns out that the article that we were referencing in it was written by Nancy Edmonds Hansen. This is scary. Um, I talked with uh, a fellow who is, he just, I was at his 80th birthday party at Rotary. And he said that he'd been looking through some things of his late father's, who'd been, who'd also been a minister, and he found a story about his late father who'd been up in Yulin or Twin Valley or one of those places, and it was written by Nancy Edmonds. That was before the I Hansen. added the Hanson part. <laughs> wow. But so I'm everywhere. Those are worth money if you've got the pre-Hanson. I won't pay a cent. Don't don't <laughs> don't even call. Nope nope. I saved all my clippings and I kept it in a wooden uh, file cabinet, and a mouse chewed in into oh, the drawer. No. So I have I have no past. I am what I am without oh, fingerprints. That's kind. Of, this is getting more interesting by the minute. <laughs> you and never knew that. Didn't I you? did Nancy not. Nancy Edmonds Hansen with us here on Seat Yourself on KFGO. Join the conversation by texting us at three five two seven zero. Seat yourself with Nancy Edmonds Hansen. We're having a few stories come into our text club at 35270. Someone said, listening, and I heard that distinctive voice and witty humor. Hello to Nancy. I had her as a teacher and later knew her on a professional basis. Always loved her stories. Someone else said, ask her how many different types of typewriters she has used. <laughs> uh, I bought myself a Smith Corona when I was still in high school. A, a little Smith Corona uh, portable with um, um, 
money that I made from uh, babysitting at 25 cents an hour and giving guitar lessons, and I was one lesson ahead of my guitar students. Don't ask me to play. <laughs> Believe me. But I was one lesson ahead, and I made money. Uh, I had that. Then when I went to work at the Forum, I was on a old Royal Standard, a great big um, one that you had to – I've got very strong fingers, even if I don't have fingerprints, because you had to pound that. And then I got my dream co- uh, typewriter, a Selectric. Uh, that IBM Selectric was the best computer or best tri- – I keep tra- saying that – the best typewriter ever, and I can't even tell you how many computers I've had since 1981. Uh, I'm a, there, there was a time I was a computer nerd. It's kind of gotten past me at this point because I don't use it as much, but I'm, I really like computer uh, hardware and software. Uh, so I'm, I've lost count. So oh you're always gosh. willing to adapt to technology. I love technology. Which, in all honesty, I think you were at an interesting time there in the 80s where there were people who were not willing to, you know, get to that level. And so uh, I was reading about how the New York Times, the day the memo came out, that they no longer would be employing people who would retype things that you typed to put into a digital format. I never uh, got to that. I wasn't at the forum long enough to see that, but I understand it was fairly traumatic. Yeah, I, so, I yeah. can imagine. In, in 1981, I was writing for Howard Binford's Guide along with my friend Carl Carlgard, And Carl and I both were really into uh, uh, the idea of computers. He had an Osborne, one of these little, uh, I can't even describe it so you could see it. It was the most primitive computer in the world after the, the Commodore. And uh, we were t- I was living in Bismarck, and we were trying to set up uh, a modem uh, system, which was very – we never did quite get it to work, but uh, so that I could send my stories back to Fargo over the modem. And uh, finally, Howard said – Howard was one who was on an office standard until the day he died. Really? Uh, he wouldn't give it up. And finally, he told me he'd pay me more if I never brought up the, the modem and computer again. <laughs> so I'm no dummy. I stopped talking about it. Uh, uh, there's a scene in a movie I love called Almost Famous where it's about a young Cameron Crow who's writing for uh, Rolling Stone magazine at the time, mm-hmm. and he's following this fictional band around. And they talk about the 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 pre fax machine fax machine and they said you know the hotels got one of these things and it only takes 12 minutes a page to send it you know from like los angeles to new york and you think about today i can send amy literally all every book published this year in less time than it takes to talk about it it's just amazing absolutely when amazon came along i'm an amazon shopper i admit it and it's partly because I remember being in outer, outer North Dakota where you didn't buy books. There wasn't a bookstore in Jamestown, the nearest town to Streeter. And um, um, you might have a paperback rack at the Osco drugstore. But the idea that I could, when Amazon debuted, that I could get any book, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. that's ever in print and that's been published in the past just by uh Tapping a few keys on the keyboard yeah. was so intoxicating that I don't think I'll, I'll ever... I forgive Amazon everything that's come out in the 20 years since then. Amazon changed the life of so many people in oh, yeah. outer well, North Dakota and all over the country. Yeah, Amazon was just getting going when we were in college. And right. it was it was just start, sort of starting to to come about. And it was like, we thought we only had the bookstore on campus. 
And when Amazon came along, our eyes were opened. It was amazing. I mean, I remember Amazon, when I took this job at KFGO, Amazon was still just selling books. Because I remember the moment I got this job, I went onto Amazon and I bought every book they had about radio production. It was like five books. And I remember I read them all. And then I got here and realized I could just as well have burned them. I did. It was baptism by fire. I wasn't going to learn anything from those books. It's true of most um, media jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think about that. I'm like, when I started at KFGO, Amazon was just books. Yeah. It was just books. Oh, and first... that was enough. That was it enough. Was. <laughs> it was enough. Yeah. My first Amazon order was 100 CDRs. Mm. And this is when you could yes, burn your own CD. Yes, when you could CDs. burn your own CD, and make your was, own music oh, playlist. It was revolution. That's so funny that you bring that up because just this morning, Jack Michaels, um, our sports director here at KFGO, I he was playing a song loudly, and I was getting water, and I could hear it, and I kind of looked over at him trying to figure out what song it was, and he goes, I'm burning a CD. And I was like, you still do that? (laughs) He's like, does anyone still do that anymore? I was like, no, just you, Jack. Just you. I think of all the lectures I gave, a part of my media writing course was talking about uh, copyright. And I think of all the lectures and the dire threats I made to students about not violating copyright. And of course, burning your own CD is a violation of copyright. And I remember when uh, uh, NDSU cracked down on downloading songs off the internet and the squawking from the students on campus because they were enforcing it on their network. You know, an interesting thing you learn in the radio business is the number of people who tell you, listen, I had a small cassette recorder with a microphone and we would record songs by holding it up to the radio and then make our own mixtapes. And they'd be so mad at the DJs who'd be talking up the ramp, the instrumental part of a song. And he'd be like, just play Purple Rain already. I need a good, clean version for my mixtape. And And the quality that they learn to accept in their audio. Bingo, right? You know, I I was writing about rock and roll in the days when all male people, this was a a male thing, but all the males that I know had had speakers and... uh, Subspeakers and woofers and tweeters and barkers and meowers and all the the equipment, you know. I I remember going on dates when we went to Kmart and they looked at the electronic equipment out there. Yeah, like everyone yeah. wanted a hi-fi and, system. And now everybody accepts playing um, playing their music over Alexa. Yeah, you know. Oh, I say Alexa, play right. Jackson Brown. Yeah. I say that a lot, by the way. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminds me of when I went to uh, film school, and this is just at the era where we started accepting the things like, oh, you could watch a movie on your laptop. You know, a few years later, we start watching movies on our phones. And David, the director, David Fincher, has a wonderful piece where he goes, he says, if you're watching one of my movies on your phone, please turn it off because it is not intended to be on a seven-inch screen. It's intended to be on a big screen. You're intended to watch it with a group of people. It is a communal experience. And uh, I, the irony is, is I shared that clip to a bunch of my friends by texting it to them so they could watch it on their <laughs> so phones. They could watch it. Yeah. Yep. We accept uh, the the uh, and the the we accept the drop off in quality. And now the revival of vinyl records just cracks me up. Uh, because the, well, we won't go into that, but going all the way around from convenience, more convenience, more convenience yet, more accessibility and convenience because I can get any Jackson Brown song I want from Mm -hmm. Alexa. 
And so we go convenience, convenience, convenience. Oh, let's go all the way back to the horse and buggy. And that, that's yeah. happened in so many different industries and in so many different ways. I'm waiting for daily newspapers to come back. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I, know. I think it will. Do you will. guys read newspapers? Yes. Oh. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're in one of them. Oh. Okay. I love do, you. Do I read a, I have I questions read, about you. Do I, I read a physical I read, newspaper? Do I read a physical one? No. No. No, no I read mine on my okay. tablet because oh, okay. my, my yes, eyes aren't then, as good yes. as, as yeah, they yeah. used to be. Yes. And I can control the, mm-hmm. the contrast yes. and the type size. And I hate most magazines today because with the paper shortage years ago, they downsized the type font. And some of the people have let the designers get the bit between their teeth, and they make beautiful spreads on the pages of magazines. And I can't read any of it because the text is in... Too small. Um, well, it's too small. It's in sans-serif type without the little the little dinghies on the ends of the lines. Um, it's It's in medium green, and it's printed against a yellow background. If you can read that... Um, Good luck because you're not good. Do it now because it's <laughs> not going to happen. It's not going to happen later. I was looking at a, a menu uh, that was white type on black, and then it was um, it had a plastic over it the other day, and I was waiting for my, my lunch friends to come, and I actually took the cell, my cell phone out and used the, um, the uh, uh, flashlight. Oh, flashlight. And then I photographed it, and I could blow up. Oh, the yeah. photo I took on my That was smart. Book. Well, I couldn't read the menu. And believe me, I like to read menus. Yeah, I do too. But I don't know what um, they were thinking. By I the know way, that it's somebody younger who designed that that menu. You said and the A word. You know, you called out her name. And so when you do that, if a listener is listening to KFGO and oh, has her. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Someone just said, running on empty just started playing for me. Oh, <laughs> you can thank me later. This is Seat Yourself with Nancy Edmonds Hansen here on KFGO. It takes two. Amy Eiler, JJ Gordon. Seat Yourself brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens. We had Dairy Queen for lunch, actually, while we're sitting here in the KFGO How was studio. your chicken sandwich? Or it was your good. chicken salad? I'll, I'll, always the same order. It's just basically I cut up chicken strips and put them on lettuce. I get to eat chicken strips with a fork is what I did. I eat chicken <laughs> strips on Texas toast. I love it. So that's what I got. Perfect. And then Nancy Edmonds Hansen has been enjoying a hot dog, which we are talking about is Maybe one of the most perfect lunches. Yeah, it yes. is. And it's portable, and the bun is fresh, and hot dogs are good, and you can t- almost talk with your mouth full, yeah. which is important right it, now. That it is. really is. It really is. It really is. Um, Nancy, you've seen a lot, a lot of changes in journalism over, uh, you know, over your time as a, as a reporter, from starting from overnights on the forum yes. and to where you are today. What do you think the future holds for journalism not necessarily even just print but journalism in general i talk with some friends of mine who are other media survivors uh practically every week and this is the table or the the talk of the table over lunch and uh it doesn't look good um the uh the employment of journalists has gone way down over the last 10 or 15 years but over the past year i just read that across the country 2,700 journalists have lost their jobs on daily newspapers. And that's in the last year after they were already really um, thin. The staffs were very thin. I mean, you see a lot of uh, places where three or four people are doing the work of what used to be 20. Exactly. So many of them aren't working together. One of the best parts of of, uh, starting out as a young journalist for me, I I called myself a news puppy, um, was uh, learning from the old hands in the newsroom. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, who could kind of sh uh, shepherd your, your direction and give you background. And so you had the context. And one of the shortcomings I see in many journalists today, there's some excellent people right in our market doing especially print journalism. And Paul Jurgens, of course. Yeah, oh and yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, what what they're lacking, what the younger ones are lacking, though, is that opportunity to learn from the seasoned people because mm -hmm. many of them aren't in the newsroom anymore. Yeah, I mean it's and, that and institutional that. knowledge. Yes, yes, especially in broadcast. Yes, uh, broadcast too. It's that institutional knowledge. It's you know, you know I'm looking at Don Haney and Paul Jurgens yes. in our newsroom right now, and uh, you are so lucky. To be in a newsroom, we are so lucky to be yes. on a staff with these people, who, um, who have instinct because of it's, their it's years. It's owned over time. It's it is. owned by experience. It is, as you said earlier about uh, the books about radio that you you'd uh, uh, settle down with. Yeah, that isn't how you learn to nope. do this. You learn to do journalism is about people, and it's about listening to people, not telling people, but listening to people. And I think that that's the secret in all kinds of professions, but especially in ours, because I love to listen to people. I love going in as an interviewer because I can ask them anything I want to ask them, <laughs> and they're perfectly free to not answer me. But I'm curious. And how do you stay curious if you don't have an opportunity uh, to find out more, to learn more? And you can go on, and as you guys know, uh, when, when I ask questions, we can go off on a topic and we lose our way completely and I have to text you saying, oh, and I had these other three questions. What would you said to those? Amy and I have found that we have a problem when we're being interviewed that we turn it around and we start interviewing the interviewer. <laughs> and that is, a, that is something we need to get better at. But even more deeply than just these skills and learning from the people around us, journalism is 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 part of a very important piece of our community and about how we live and it's about investigation and it's about understanding the truth and that is a very important piece that I worry goes away when we lose these newsrooms I'd worry about that too and when we lose no when we lose local news um I I cover the Moorhead City Council and people think that those kinds of assignments are, you know, that's for the birds, that do something exciting, you know, interview um, somebody exciting. Amy Klobuchar, for Jackson example. Brown. Jackson, oh, ja <laughs> oh, yes. Until now, my best interview was Burton Cummings, but I want to go for Jackson Brown. But anyway, if you don't know what's going on in your community and younger people, and I'd say people in their, even in their 40s and below in many cases who aren't following the local news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to communities when they're not watching. Right. Uh, covering the Fargo or, or Moorhead or Dilworth City Council and Commission meetings was a prime uh, assignment when I was a news puppy. And it was interesting. Yeah. And Moorhead is interesting. And that's where you get news. Yes. That's where you find out. You and know, I, I, I ran there. to JJ's office one day and I was like, we got to talk about this. I just read it in the West Fargo Park Board Minutes. And he's like, are you reading the West Fargo Park Board Minutes? But yeah, sometimes, sometimes you got to read those minutes. Sometimes you got to engage with what's going on or how else are you going to know? And how else are we going to know if we don't have those, those news people, those newsrooms that are, you know, that's why really KFGO is not built on the backs of people who are doing talk shows. 
It is built on it's the backs news. of news and weather. It is the news source. Yeah. And it's the station that everybody has always turned to, always, yeah. uh, when when the weather turns bad, which it does with some frequency. This was so lovely, Nancy Edmonds Hansen. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, will I, you come back again soon? Anytime you want me. Okay. Just and, don't ask me for my background again because my, my resume is as, as long as I am tall, and I'm pretty tall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she doesn't have to go away. You can read her every week. Um, you can pick up the FM Extra. You can pick up Extraordinary Living. You can follow her on socials. Follow FM Extra on socials. Um, so Nancy's not leaving you. She's just saying see you later until you pick her up on your next newsstand. And read JJ from the kitchens of JJ and Amy. There you go. Uh, in the extra every week. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Supreme Court's decision to disqualify former President Trump from its GOP primary ballot. It ruled yesterday.